Hey guys, and welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. I am Blake Bozarth, and this is the show that's designed to help you grow your influence and lead with confidence and with humility. We have another amazing entrepreneur on the show today, Casey Graham. He is a successful entrepreneur. His latest company is Gravy, which is a payment recovery company that's going gangbusters. They have over 100 employees now, and he has so much wisdom to share on the show today. He he brings the energy. I think you're going to love it. There's so much wisdom here, so many nuggets. Our main theme is around being real as a leader, and you always hear that, hey, you need to be real. You need to be vulnerable. We know this, right? Casey's approach to this, I think, is, is nuanced and that yeah, you should be that, and it should look different depending on the context. He has this concept for what does it mean to be pre versus post broken, and how a post broken person may still have confidence, that's a good thing, but they walk with a limp. They're grounded, they're rooted, they're humble, and how your pain can actually become baptized in purpose. And there's so much power in that when you let something very painful in your life become baptized in your purpose and let that drive you. Casey's story, his personal story here is extremely compelling. I love this concept he shares around owner's intent. You might think of it as your leadership intent. If you take away anything from this show, let this be it. Casey's, I got to share the spoiler, his I love, which is he wants to build an organization where his adult children would one day want to work. Talk about legacy. Very powerful. And then we talk about how do you let somebody else borrow your belief? When you're a champion for someone else that's on your same path, you look behind you, you see potential, and you believe in someone, letting them borrow that belief, the power behind that. It's what great leaders do. And he shares stories for people who has done this, who have done this for him. I see this as well for people who have done and are doing this for me. And as a leader, it's one of the best things we can do. People who are behind us on our path, seeing them, believing in them, letting them borrow that belief. Very powerful. And finally, this concept of how action creates traction. I think you're going to love this concept as well. And stay tuned towards the end. You're going to hear a fun story involving Richard Branson, of all people. I think you're going to love this episode. I know I had so much fun recording it. If you get something from this show, from this episode, be a river, not a reservoir. Who could you share it with that will also get value from it and grow as well? Without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right, guys, I'm here today with Casey Graham. Casey, thanks for being here. Welcome to Leadership on Purpose. You got to get fired up, Blake. It's fired time to up. Get fired up. <laughs> thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, before we jump into our main topic today, excited for that, tell us a little bit about you, your yep. career story. How'd you get to what you're doing today? Yeah, well, my name's Casey. My wife's name's Casey. So uh, I always say that in the beginning in case I share a story about Casey and you think I'm talking about myself in third person. I'm not. <laughs> uh, we married for 17 years. I've got a daughter, uh, 14, son, 10, and uh, we live on a little farm and we hunt and fish. And for Birmingham, Alabama, I uh, grew hey, hey. up just enjoying that and roll tide Alabama football. So um, <laughs> from all from that, I, I, I literally went Went into church work, believe it or not, right out of college and helped start a church um, at 22 years old and uh, did that for about five years. And then after five years at 27, started my first company. And then from 27 to now I'm 40, started, grown and sold three companies. Um, wow. Sounds wonderful. And that's the, the great side of it. The downside of it is, is that I about lost my family in the process. Um, I have uh, been through depression, suicidal thoughts. I have 
been in the underbelly of uh, burnout and um, my success being all about public image versus private success. And so I feel like I've kind of gone around the full merry-go-round. And, um, you know, now I'm at 40 years old, uh, staring at the rest of my my life and career and all this kind of stuff. And so you'll notice that a lot of my themes and stuff have a lot to do with meaning and purpose and those kind of things. And it's simply because I've gone through so much and I've been so close to, to feeling like it was the end that uh, I just feel grateful for every day. Wow. Well, this is the show then. This is Leadership on Purpose. We're all about that. We're going to, I I can appreciate the the realness from the get-go. And so I want to, I want to definitely dive in here. And um, one, one thing that, that the intro kind of triggers for me is like just how open and vulnerable you are in the struggles and not just the highlights. Yeah. And it comes through, I guess, in kind of the authenticity of some of the stuff I've read from you on LinkedIn. Talk to me about that. One of my favorite, I mean, it's a jumping off point. One of my favorite quotes comes from Craig Rochelle and he's like, people want to follow a leader who's not just always right. They don't want to follow a leader who's always right. They want to follow a leader who's always real. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that. What does it mean for you as a leader to be real and to be authentic and vulnerable? Um, well, first of all, I don't think being real is sharing every one of your deep, dark secrets or you know, pains or struggles with everybody, right? And so I think people, when they say real, they think that means that you've got to be like, completely 100% honest in every environment with everybody. I don't believe that. I believe I believe that that real is different in different environments, hmm. right? Real with my wife is different than real with LinkedIn, right? Real with my friendships on on the back porch smoking cigars is completely different than real with 100 we have 100 team members now at Gravy. That there's a different level of real. But I think the theme through all of that is is more than like the information you share is the posture in which you approach the relationships in your life. I think that's what real means, meaning I'm not coming in any way to say that I've got it together, that I'm right, or this is 100% the thing, but you come with an open hand to just know that you're part of the team, you're part of the community, you're part of the world, you're not the center of the world, you're not the person who's got it all right, you're not in all this kind of stuff. And so anytime I I see a leader who has it all together, I'm scared. Um, Anytime I see a leader who has um, all the answers, it makes me nervous. I want a leader and I'll follow people who will look at me and say, hey, we're going to do this big vision together. And I'm scared, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I don't, I don't know all the things, but along the way, we're going to journey together. And I'll tell you, you know, um, if there's danger along the way, or if I'm scared, we're going to let each other know. And we're going to have open and honesty and vulnerability um, around that, how we're feeling. Um, it's, it's about um, good days and bad days. It's about sharing the ups and the downs. Um, it's, 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 it's really sharing the emotional roller coaster of life that we all live on. And I just don't think you get that very often when you talk about LinkedIn or you talked about this is that people pick a subject to write on and a, a niche to go after and they keep it so like high level surfacey, all perfect expert, whatever. Um, that's just not me. That was me. It's just not me anymore. So I'm not an expert on what Craig Groeschel's quote is, but um, I think when you go through enough pain, um, it transforms everything you talk about to make sure that, that, that it has a purpose. And I always say that pain 
you know, your pain, when it's baptized in purpose, that's when you get the perspective that you're not the center of the world. And that's when your content or your talks or your, your heart or your meetings, or when you meet with somebody one-on-one, that's when the impact happens. Wow. When your pain is baptized in purpose, that's a quotable right there. So one of, one of, uh, uh, one of your posts actually struck a chord with me recently. And you were talking about basically this concept of, is this person pre-broken or or post-broken? Talk to us us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, um, I have this friend of mine and anytime we bring up somebody from a, a new friend that's going to come and be, you know, hanging out or somebody that we're meeting with or this, you know, whatever, his question is, is, is this person pre-broken or post-broken? And like, that sounds kind of crazy, right? That that's the question. And essentially what that means is that at some point in all of our lives, especially it it happens, uh, you know, too young to some people, but in our adult lives. So from 18, you know, to whatever, 80, we all experience some crisis, right? But there's usually one crisis that happens pre 45, pre 40, that if you just look on the timeline and you talk to enough people, there's a personal crisis that will come. It could come from a a child dying. Um, It could come from um, a moral uh, issue, a falling out. It could come from a relationships of being broken. It could come from a extreme, what there's an extreme pain and almost extreme embarrassment um, when I mean this crisis, right? This isn't like a crisis like I, I can't pay my mortgage and I'm struggling financially. This is like a macro, like life changing, all the trains stop moment. And those moments is called um, a guy named Pete Scazzaro, who is a mentor of mine. He says it's, 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 it's when you hit the wall, um, it's either hit the wall or a crisis. And those things, those moments, determine pre post broken, meaning how did we respond through that? What happened? Did our soul transform through that? Did we, or did we sweep it under the rug and keep going and, and, and just act like it didn't happen and pretend and keep going really fast into the future and focus on just being successful. And so the people that are pre broken, you know, are people that they have it all together. They have all the answers. Um, they speak the e, they speak the language, all this kind of stuff. A post-broken person uh, comes to you and, and, and in conversations, you can just tell like, hey, they still might have confidence, but they walk with a limp hmm. and you know it and they talk about it. And though they may not go into the painful details of everything that made the limp happen and all the things, because that doesn't matter. You just can trust and know that that person is not just talking out of bravado and pride. And that's been, that's been knocked out of them a little bit. It doesn't mean that it cures it. It just means that it knocks it out of you a little bit. And it makes, it gives you a, a reality that leadership is a responsibility. It's not a reward. Yes. Um, that you don't grow in leadership. So you get all these things, you grow in leadership so that you can help other people become who they need to become. Um, that's what happens. And so that's what we mean when we say pre and post broken. That's powerful. Um, back to this quotable of the pain being baptized in purpose. Yeah. What did that look like for you in terms of rooting to purpose and letting that kind of transform you? Well, it took 14 months. Um, I thought 
so so what happened i sold a company made all this money um and when i sold it we were done like meaning i gave the keys and like i was out like this that's rare that doesn't happen very often so two weeks later and i'm sitting in a starbucks by myself going um i'm 36 years old all my friends still go to work um all of the people that i picked to be on the team are still going to work yep and what 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 am i doing like what it yeah, I call it too much money and not enough problems to solve. No problems to solve. Um, it sounds fun. And people always are like, well, I'd love to have that problem, you know, like that kind of thing. And I'm not, uh, maybe you would. But for me, uh, it was the beginning of like a series of just, I was lost. I don't, I don't know another way to say it. I was lost in my purpose, why I wake up why I exist. Um, my, I was spending way more time then with my family because I had much more to do. And my wife literally looks at me is like, I liked it better when you had something to do. <laughs> and she didn't like me during that time. I didn't like me during that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started drinking too much. Um, I started um, just just not knowing what, I mean, it's all this, it's a guy with all this passion and energy and all this kind of stuff, but but no direction. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that then turned back around and on me. And then the self-talk started to become like, well, you got lucky. That was what I thought. Um, You'll never be able to, you'll never do anything again. You you could go be a consultant, but that's about it. Like you're going to, like stories of my head, I would re- re- remember sitting there going like, you're going to be 60 years old talking about this time you sold this company and like, you know, nobody's going to care and you're just, just washed up. So I had all of these things inside of me. And so I went down a really dark hole, 14 months counseling multiple times a week. Um, I, I got through it because of my friend, Richard Chancy. Um, every Friday meeting with Richard, my wife, uh, my counselor, and then my friends. And what I say is that, you know, I don't know if y'all talk about Jesus stories on here or not. I don't know the, I don't know that, but there's we're a, a fan. We're, we're a big fan, big fan. But the story, you know, that when they, when the friends lower the guy through the roof, hmm. you know, there, there's four people grabbing a corner of, of a paralyzed man. And I'd spent my whole career trying to grab corners. And it was the first time where I was on the map. Hmm. And I just think there's going to be a time when everybody's on the map. And that time is the, is the time where you will go through the refining fire of what is the rest of your life going to be like and how are you going to live to impact others? It's when you move from success to significance. Yes. And, but it will take a village to carry you through those moments. And so that's what I did. And that, that was my 14 months. And that actually became the, I call it the Phoenix the, the, the phoenix that rose out of the ashes was gravy. And 14 months later, I was meeting with a mentor of mine. And he said, Casey, you're just getting started. And I didn't believe him. I didn't believe him. And he said, you're just now getting started. You have so much more in you. And what, and then soon after that, the idea hit. Um, we started moving this thing called gravy. And now it's four and a half years in, we have a hundred people moving, having the time of our life, having fun, purpose, fulfillment, all of these different things. I never in that moment ever would have guessed that I would be standing here right now. 
And uh, that's kind of my story. And, and that's what that's 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 what I mean. And that's what I think you see when the LinkedIn posts come out. Is that I'm not doing this just to create like a financial outcome, even though I'm not against financial outcomes. Yeah. I am doing this because of something I call owner's intent. And when I started this business, and this is the whole first section of my book that comes out this fall, is owner's intent. And what that is, is I have, I don't need the money. So if you don't need the money, why would you show up to work? Right. And so my owner's intent is my owner's intention of why I show up to, to work and why I do this. And I had to know that. And for me is to create a company that my adult children would want to work at someday if they so chose to. Hmm. Now I'm not even saying I'll own the company, but all of my filtering of money, hiring, staffing, decisions, firing, coaching, mentoring, uh, cultural decisions. What do we cut? What do we add to? How do we treat people? All of those different things come through the filter of how would I want my adult daughter at 30 years old come home to tell me, dad, this is how my company did the Christmas party. Dad, this is what my company did my first day of work. Hey, dad, this is what they do for benefits. Hey, dad, here's what my boss told me. It was really painful feedback, but it really helped me. Hey, dad, they gave me opportunity before I was ready. Hey, dad, all of those things. And so the culture is built out of that. It's built out of that lens and that pain that I came from and then having something connected with meaning. And then that's how we lead. And that's the culture that we have at Gravy. Wow. That's, that's very cool. Uh, I, I love the... I love the practical takeaway there of building something of significance that whether you're there or not in the future, your own grown kids can enjoy it and grow in it and, and, and benefit from it. Um, let me ask you this. I know you've, you've written before about essentially the importance of having champions in your life, somebody who's there as an advocate and someone who actually yeah. has real belief in you, maybe sometimes more belief than you have in yourself. Talk to me about the importance of that. And, and then as a leader, yeah. talk to me about how do you go about doing that and what kind of culture are you trying to create around gravy around that? Yeah, I say, I say this is that sometimes you have to let people borrow your belief. And what I mean by that is, and you know how this is, I bet, I bet you could tell me a story. Does a story come to your mind where you were at a point in your life and somebody said, hey, I see something in you and I, you should do it like you need to leave. And I, I believe that you can and you're sitting or, or like, oh, no, you could double that or yeah, like yeah. What, whatever it is. Um, do you have a story like that? I 100% do. Even even with my my current my current company, CoThrive, one of my best friends, James Carberry, shout yeah. out to him. Um, he has done this numerous times for me just in terms of my own expectations for what I can do, what I can do with this podcast, for instance, what sure. I can do with with growing the business, just a belief that when you, as an entrepreneur, and I know, I know you've lived through this your whole life, but, um, you go through ups and downs. Sometimes, sometimes you feel like you have this, I can conquer the world kind of mentality. Other times you're like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. And so many times he's spoken life into me in a way that's like, Hey, and, and, and sometimes it's like, yeah, I think I can get there, but I'm not ready for it yet. And he's like, Oh yeah, you actually are push, go for it. And yeah. so, yeah, totally. And so what I found about um, borrowing belief is that the belief that you borrow is believed more when it comes from somebody who is more than you currently are. More meaning 
not in value, intrinsic God value. I'm not talking about that, but they've done it. Yeah. They're ahead. They did. They've seen a thousand of these and you're a thousand and one. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, successful in a, in a specific area of life with this relationships or finance or whatever, where, where when they say it, because I can go to people that you don't have a relationship with you or, or we're about the same level or, or whatever. And, and I borrow their belief, but it, but, it, but it doesn't weigh as much. And so being around people that are way further down the road and that they look at you and they speak these words into your life. And I, and what I always say is that the words we say to ourselves and to others are the rails. It's like a, it's like are the rails in which all of our thoughts will, will go. And so they're literally laying track in your brain that your thoughts go down. Hmm. And when they lay that track down, your thoughts go down that. And when your thoughts ride on that of like, oh, I can do it. Well, then if you feel like you can do it, then you have the confidence to make the call. You have the confidence to ask for the deal. You have the confidence to recruit the person that they said no four times and then they come to your team. You have the confidence to do that because I borrow their belief. It creates a railway of my thoughts. My thoughts and my feelings are the same side of each coin. So if I think good, I feel good. And if I feel good, I'll think good. And it works back and forth with each other. And how I feel will then proceed on how I take action. And if I and, and what I say is that action creates traction. So what kind of action are you taking? Well, if, you're, if, if you've got big beliefs of people giving you a great railway that's really long of something that's really big of a real vision you can accomplish, and you've got these thoughts coming in and the feelings are creating this, you're going to create massive action. Massive action creates massive traction. You can go and it's, it's a system and it happens over and over again. And so the feedback loops that you, that you have to yourself, they will always derail you. They will always take you off course. Your confidence as an entrepreneur will be under attack every day. And so you've got to have a system of people around you that are building these tracks and railways for your thoughts to go down because that's how all of this happens. And then that's how big things are accomplished. And people say, well, like if you look at the statistics of second time founders versus first time founders, yeah. it's significant of the success rate of a second time founder. And the reason why is, is that they've been there and they've said this to themselves and they know they could get to that level at a certain point and that, and they could do it in half the time or 25% of the time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But you don't have to be the second time founder. Go be around the <laughs> four time founder and borrow their belief so that when you're the first time founder, you're acting like a second time founder. And so that's kind of my philosophy on being around people uh, asking for mentors, having great people around you that are speaking truth into you. And then over time, my goal, I, I want to be the, I, I'm telling you, I can tell you names of Billy Hornsby and, you know, John Hull, and I could go down all these, you know, Victor Chang's and all these people, David McDaniel, Ken Polk, all these people around me that are doing this. I want somebody on a podcast one day to say, hey, there was this guy named Casey and I, he said this to me and because he said this, then I did that, you know, in, in this and the other. So, so that's what I mean by borrowing your belief. And then I want to become a person that when I say something to somebody that it carries the weight hmm. and then it lays the track so that then they can accomplish more than I ever would accomplish. Man, I'm fired up just hearing, hearing this. And I, I know there's a lot of leaders listening to this. I feel the same way. What would you say to the leader that maybe maybe doesn't come natural to them to be an encourager? Maybe it doesn't come natural. 
maybe it's come natural to them to be this kind of champion that can actually give somebody that belief to borrow. How can they, how could they grow in that area? Um, so when you're talking about being an encourager is being different than somebody that you're borrowing their belief, right? In my opinion, because I think you can have encouraging people around you, but they, they're not, they're encouraging you, but you still like, okay, they don't know anything about what I do. Or like, you know, my wife, even she'd be like, maybe you can do it. And it's like, she, she didn't do business. She's a nurse, you know? And I'd be like me saying, well, I believe in you, baby, that you could do this little surgery that you've never done before. I'm just, we're just saying it because we believe in each other. Hmm. So the borrow your belief is about mentorship. It's about coaches. It's about that encouragement is we're spurring each other, each other on. We'll do, we'll do a thousand encouragements to one of the bar your belief moments that you remember the rest of your life. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. It's good to say. Yeah. If you're not natural at encouragement, um, what I would suggest if you're an introvert and you don't like doing it or whatever, here's the, I mean, this is, this is me just saying exactly what I would do if I was that way, because I come from a family uh, history of negativity. So like that's part, my family history was a lot of negative. Um, so I'm not like Mr. Positive all the time, but I, I, I have to choose to be positive. Like yeah. I have to choose that. I, I feel like I'm sitting both. If I was doing it, it's just like uh, Renee who works with me. We do what's called gravy biscuits inside of um, uh, gravy. And so I think we've given, I don't know, it's like crazy 11,000 gravy biscuits or something in our Slack channels. Gravy biscuit is when we catch people doing something right. Um, and we say, hey, I want to give a gravy biscuit to, you know, whatever. And what I found is like what Renee does, she's not naturally somebody that's going to go speak in Slack and do that. Great leader. She would do it one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, she sets a reminder. She creates a system. Yes. And literally, I don't care. That's like saying, well, I don't naturally want to go to the gym. You just have to do it. Like, and, and, and true Kathy, he said, you know how somebody knows if you know, how, if do you know how to know if somebody needs encouragement? They're breathing. If they're breathing. I love it. So that's it. I think the, and the other thing I would say is uh, um, tell your team and communicate to people around you that like, Hey, though I'm not as verbal, when I do these other things for you or, or these things around you, that's my belief in you. And that's me having encouragement into your life. Does that make sense? That's great. That's great. Great takeaways. Um, I would love to continue going on. I know you've got to run. Um, we got to let you go, but I want to hit a couple of our closing questions with you. Okay. And the first you kind of touched on already, but I want to give you a chance to summarize again. We like to ask each leader, what is your why? So what is it that really fundamentally drives and motivates you on a personal level? How would you say that? Um, yeah, I think for me is that entrepreneur, my entrepreneur, the gift of entrepreneurship began in my mind as a gift to help me gain freedom. Now I believe that the reason I have the gift of entrepreneurship is the gift to give other people freedom wow. and to give other people uh, um, places to work, grow, and do redemptive things together that actually matter. 
And so for me, work isn't about just getting the pay and doing the things, even though I love all that. I love money, finances. I love all that. But it's not what wakes me up and keeps me going. It is the stories of the people that do the work and what they become in the process. And that's what feeds my soul. And that's what wakes me up. And when I get to know that somebody's leaving our company, well, I have somebody, they've been here for three years, they're leaving the company. They came in, nobody would have given them a shot. They didn't have the track record, but I knew the person. I was like, no, they're that. And then now they're going on, they're getting a double pay raise and they're doing all this stuff. Like that is like my trophy, right? That's the stuff that I feel really good about. And uh, it's because I believe that entrepreneurship is a gift for others. Amazing. We think that the highest form of leadership is not just creating followers. Got to have that. It's creating leaders. Yeah. What, what has that looked like for you? What does that look like even at gravy and how that you're pouring into and looking to develop and equip leaders? Yeah. So our goal, uh, well, my goal is to create seven companies over a 20 year period. And gravy is the beginning of that. And inside of that, we have a leadership, we have a leadership development system called decade of destiny. And we help people with it, with a decade, um, and, and planning their, uh, their life and their leadership and, and all this stuff. And the long story short is I want to, I want to create a multiplying network of leaders that come out of this gravy season of, you know, whether it's five years or seven years or whatever, that then the relationships that come out of this, they come in and out of each other's pathways for a period of 20, 25 years. We, and we create seven non-related companies uh, from these relationships and multiply the leaders that somebody else leads that I will, I won't be the front man for. I'll be the, I'll be the encourager, the investor, the believer, maybe the, I, I can create the idea, but uh, let, letting them run and grow and build these companies. And, you know, people that came in in customer service, uh, you know, at Gravy four years ago in 14 years, if they're the president of a company, you know, that those are the kind of things that, that I think about in uh, growing leadership and, and, and growing leadership, it is intentional, but like at the end of the day, it's just whatever, whatever I do and whatever we model is what they're going to do. And so that's what we're trying to do. That's why we help people leave well. That's why we try to maintain the relationships, which I've done. I sucked at that. I have a whole chapter in my book coming out called a chapter to the people who hate me. And, and yeah. I, and I offer them $500 to meet with me for 30 minutes. So I can apologize. Wow. And, um, and, and, and the point of that being is that I haven't always gotten that right. And so I'm just letting yeah. you know that, you know, not, now we're trying to get it right to where we're building these leaders, launching them, and then we'll all circle back in some way or fashion. That's, that is, that is legacy right there. It's amazing. And here's a fun one for you. If you could sit down Casey and have lunch with one leader past or present, what leader would that be for you? Past or present. My favorite's Richard Branson, but I've already met him. Have you? How, how was that? He was so good to my kids. <laughs> we went to his, like, we, so we were on a catamaran around the BVIs. Oh, dang. And we were at this uh, little beach bar and we ran into this guy and we're sitting over looking at Necker Island, which is, uh, you know, Branson's Island. And he's like, oh, I know Richard, but you, we, <laughs> <laughs> government just stop by just, yeah just stop by no literally 
And so, so we just took the catamaran, went and stopped by, went up to his house and all that stuff. And so literally like that was my like icon dream come true, whatever. And we went and hung out and, you know, we swam in his pool and kids, <laughs> kids hung out with him and he talked about his next ideas and what they're trying to solve and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I hate, I hate that's a terrible answer, but I would like to hang out with him again. That is, that is not a terrible answer. That's an awesome answer. Yeah. I love it. Um, here's uh, a final question for you. Do you have a personal BHAG? I know you've mentioned a lot of, a lot of big goals here, but is there a personal big hairy audacious goal that you're going after these days that you want to highlight here? Yeah, it's for a gravy to accomplish our mission to return $1 billion back to our clients by the end of 2023. Wow. And that's it. That's what I'm, that's what we're doing. And so that's not necessarily personal, but it is to me. And, um, you know, we've returned about 300 million right now. And cool. so we've got to return 700 million in about two and a half years. And it's taken us four and a half years to return 300 million. And so the, the climb, the mountain is always steepest at the top, right? But uh, we have a multiplying effect that's happening. And so hopefully uh, we can get there. That's amazing. And I love how you talk about the deeper purpose behind that, which is yep. putting more dollars back into business owners, into entrepreneurs who yeah. are then hiring and equipping people like you're, like you're doing a great. And we pick the words to return because we believe in re the redemptive nature of what we do. Hmm. And it is a return back to the people that will employ people. And I have a whole other thing on capitalism of why capitalism is one of the most redemptive things on earth. Yes. And, um, well, and obviously and people, people crap on it. Um, but you know, whatever, we'll talk about that next time. No, I love it. We can do a whole nother one on that. That's amazing. Finally, where can people find you? And also, um, what title of this book, we would definitely want to be able to highlight that. Is it released and when is it released? No, uh, releases in November. I'm only on LinkedIn. I'm from Alabama. I'm, I'm very simple in nature, so I can't do many different platforms. So I'm only on LinkedIn. I write just about every day, definitely every other day. Um, that's my best thing. And the, the book is the no BS small business book. That's the name. Nice. Of it. <laughs> no BS small business book. Yep, you heard it here yeah. first. All so, right, Casey. Hey, this has been a blast. Thanks yeah, for bro. taking the time and can't wait to see what you continue to do and the redemptive work that you do in the years to come. Hey, thanks Blake. And, uh, thank you listeners and can't wait to connect with any of you on LinkedIn or wherever. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, bud. Take care. What would it mean for your organization if your leaders became significantly more effective? At CoThrive, we help good leaders transform into exceptional leaders. And we do it in a way that builds camaraderie and deeper connection to your company for a fraction of the cost of less effective alternatives. If you're interested in learning more, find me on LinkedIn and just shoot me a message. As always, guys, keep leading on purpose.